think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. It's me, PB, your host again, and I'm delighted to have the other PB, Pat, back. He's uh, he's still in Toronto, I believe. You in Toronto, Pat? I am, yeah. Still here. Still in North America until I fly back the day we play West Ham away on the 17th of April. Or is it the 16th? One of those days. Hmm. So hopefully we don't win the league while I'm in the air. I don't know if that's well. That's maybe possible if everyone else loses. But I don't think it is possible. No. Good. Um. Good to have you back. I think it's been done a couple of solo pods. Um. Uh. I think just looking the last one you were on, we were we were talking about how good was our January window, first of February. No. Surely we've had one since then. No, I've done two solos since then. Bloody hell. So. Bloody hell. Well. A lot, we've we've gotten shit and we've gotten good again since then. So yeah, <laughs> um, lots to discuss, I guess. Yes, yes, and I mean the the listeners of the podcast. The last one we did was about the the four two win over Villa, which is obviously very dramatic. Um, and since then we've had a one nil um, victory over Leicester, which was an interesting one. Had similarities to the first half last night against Everton, I think, in that we had a lot of control, but didn't create a lot of clear-cut chances. But um, yeah, last night is going to be what we mainly focus on. I was delighted to to get to the Emirates for the first time this season. My first ever evening Premier League game, which I think just creates a slightly di- different atmosphere as well. Um, and, you know, first time this season I've, I've managed to get to the Emirates. So, yeah, got home at nearly 3am, thanks to the M4 being closed. <laughs> thinking it would be a safe time to drive back because no one will be on the road, but then forgot to check if the road itself would be open. So ended up around Ascot and Windsor with about 10 deer in the road that weren't moving when my car was going towards them. So that was a, yeah, interesting experience. All feels a bit surreal because um did all the traveling there and back yesterday as well as the game itself. But uh, yeah, was a bit worried for the first 30 minutes. Not going to lie. Um, but then that first goal, real magic moment from Bakayo Saka. I feel brilliant that I managed to see one of his goals, that alone one one of that quality. But I've got to say, Pat, it's the first time I've been in the ground since VAR, I think. It's been oh, wow. And 
Yeah, I I I, I don't like VAR. <laughs> because I, I was I, I celebrated, we all celebrated, but that soccer goal from the angle in your ground, you you just don't really have an idea. Obviously, the TV cameras, mm. you have much more of an educated guess about whether something's going to be onside or not. And as soon as I saw that back on the, on the big screen, I knew we were fine. But you know what I mean? From from the angle you have in the ground, depending on where you're sat, you sort of, if you're anything like me, you presume the worst. And um, it just seemed too easy, really, how he got on the ball. So I just presumed he must have been stood a couple of yards behind them all. Um, but yeah, do you have that similar similar dread of sort of not fully celebrating because of because of VAR? Um, I mean, the, the Saka goal looked quite onside to me because yeah. uh, their left back, forgive me, I forgot his name, the Ukrainian, to Mitvalenko, Mitvalenko, Mitvalenko. He he kind of was in two minds whether or not to to press White on the right hand side or to stay with Saka inside. Hmm. And I think Odegaard and Xhaka had kind of overloaded in the middle. There's that kind of still that's going around, isn't it? Um, and no, I think as soon as it went into him, he looked behind Mitvalenko. So um, yeah, I, I I didn't think it was offside. I, I it was a fantastic goal though. I mean, we saw. Not too dissimilar a strike in terms of power and placement at Leeds away, didn't we? But um, this mm. is something that he really didn't have in his locker last season that clearly he's worked on a lot. It's and not... actually, if we th- if we think about the... Is it the chance he had against City? Uh, or is it Leicester, Leicester away where it kind of... Jorginho slams it into him, he turns on it and then kind of bobbles it off his right. It's clearly something he's been working on a lot and... Um, it, it's good to see it turn into into real output. Yeah. I mean, we all knew he was a special player when he came through. He's playing a bit of left back, left wing, and then and then right wing. I think the thing we always thought he needed to get to the very top was to improve on that finishing. But, you know, he's still not incredible in those moments. As as you say, like Man City, he had a opening and he he sometimes doesn't cleanly strike it, but he's massively improving and he's 21. And if he keeps that trajectory on his end product, he's going to be, you know, the, the sky's the limit. He could honestly be. Speaking of, he, he, he is now, I believe, 14th all time in Arsenal assists. And this is according to Transfer Mark, who I think register like penalties one and... Um, and also like deflected assists as well. So he's 14th and he only needs another eight or seven, sorry, to go joint with Vieira, Cazorla and Sanchez to be in the top 10, which is Mm. pretty crazy, isn't it? Mm. And then in terms of goals, he's actually surprisingly high as well. The last time I checked, he was, um, he was in the kind of top 25 ish. Um, well, he's 28th right now, but will probably finish the season in the top 25, which again is just crazy. If we think about all-time Arsenal players and in the modern era, I guess, since um, since they've been uh, collating stats transfer market, it is pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, since we last spoke, strong rumours now suggesting he will be signing a new deal, which is obviously huge, huge for us because, yeah, I mean, there's not been a lot of reported interest, but obviously any club in the world is going to want him. And probably there'll be several clubs willing to offer more money than than we are. But 
I think as you say that he's 21 and he's already making a footprint in both assists and goals. He could be a real legend for this club. Um, already feels like he's becoming that at 21. Um, but yeah, magic moment from him. And I think, yeah, the feeling in the ground before that moment was, you know, there was mutterings of, oh, this is just like Newcastle, just like the Newcastle at home game because Everton were going down holding their head when we broke away. So the ref had to stop it. Pickford was getting booed for time wasting probably five or six times before that goal. And every time I looked up at the clock, maybe it was all relative because the amount I'd spent in the car to get there. But every time I looked at the clock, I was like, another 10 minutes is gone, another five minutes ago. Yeah. I was thinking this game could just be gone in, in an instant and it could be nil-nil quite easily. And we needed that moment. We needed to get yeah. that first goal. And I think, um, you know, Saka's brilliance was obviously a big part of that. I think the general team and tactical side of how we broke that down was was the fluidity and how players moved around. And I guess that was another observation of being in the stadium. You get to see everyone's position um, at all times and people were popping up in different channels to just create different scenarios for for Everton to deal with. You know, Saka's sort of in the centre forward role for that for that goal. And there was periods in the in the night where Martinelli was across all three positions. I mean Zinchenko was sort of right attacking mid Erdegaard's position to to set up Saka for that goal. And I think that's really great to see Arteta clearly, you know, he he likes a quite structured team in terms of um you know he's played a very unchanged lineup he likes to have the patterns of play how he wants it but I think it's a crucial involvement of this team to have even if it's just different profiles in those different channels to create something different and I think that's how ultimately we got that got that breakthrough goal Got yeah I think um I was just going to say, in terms of the Newcastle comparison, I think actually the Newcastle game, we started really well in terms of trying to create and getting in their box a lot. And then we kind of wilted until the last five minutes of the half, I thought. Um, in this one, I think we we never really got going until I think the 30th minute when Zinchenko, Trossard and Martinelli and Xhaka started combining a little bit better and, and and sharper in that kind of left right uh left hand side of our attack um i think there was a moment where trossard wins the ball back or, or gets played in behind and then it he gets tackled out for a throw that the, the crowd sort of got on their feet zinchenko takes the the throw quickly i seem to remember and, and we start to kind of really pop it around since then uh, after that and zinchenko i think at that point like in a lot of games this season started to just take over he has a real good a bit like Odegaard feel of the game in the sense that he knows exactly when to kind of start up in the ante and start turning the screw and I think I tweeted something like every time he gets the ball in the in the opposition half especially the final third he tries to play that killer ball and sometimes it's to our detriment right we get counted on it a lot um we saw that against Villa but overall that risk versus reward is is very much worth it because the ball he plays to Saka and actually a few of the balls he tries to attempt before that um, are all really, really positive. And mm. I, I did see a bit of a shift from minute 30, maybe 32, 33, where Everton 
couldn't really get out anymore and we started to really try and uh, start to pin them back and it kind of felt as soon as that first goal went in they they weren't really going to uh to trouble us that much anymore as, as so seems to be the the kind of formula for many games this season as soon as we go up a goal we, we seem to start strangling teams and and not letting them go and that, and that leads to obviously the the second goal which was very strange wasn't it hmm yeah, and I think as much as one goal does create that, it felt like the second was huge in this because <clears throat> at 1-0, I think Everton probably would have kept wasting time and, and played for 1-0 and played for a corner to just try and get a point out of the game. But I think once it went to two, scoring on the edge of half time, that really changed the whole dynamic and the second mm. half we completely took over. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about the second goal. Real confusion in the ground for that one. Another sort of far talking point. Um, so it looked like Saka, obviously, the, the linesman flagged and, and I wasn't clear if he was suggesting Saka had fouled the defender um, to sort of, and then the defender had like kicked it to Martinelli because it was an opposite end to me. And um, it felt like it could be that or it could be offside. Um and I, th- I think the players didn't even celebrate at all because they fairly convinced that it was it was going to be ruled out. But then you got the the message on the screen, and the longer it went on, you think, oh, it must be there must be a decent chance here if they're they're checking for this long, having given it was disallowed. You know, they should be looking for a way to allow this, and and then the confirmation of the goal and. I mean, let's talk about Martinelli a bit. We've we've chatted about Saka, and I think he does great in that moment. To because I think if he if he has any sort of contact on the Everton player there, given they've already ruled out the goal, I think they potentially just say, "Yeah, Saka's fouled him to sort of create that pressure." But he doesn't touch him at all when you look at the replay. He mm. Scoops his foot round and pokes it through perfectly. So brilliant again from Saka, but Martinelli. Obviously scores later on in the game as well. Both goals sort of come in pep from a central position. <clears throat> and in the Leicester game, we we of course saw the change from the start with Trossard and and, Ke- um, and Martinelli starting together, which is something I'd I'd been calling for for a while. I just felt like could bring out the mm-hmm. best in Martinelli, could give us just some more dynamism in in how we form attacks. And I think exactly that has happened. Martinelli obviously scored against Leicester. He got two goals tonight, tonight, last night. And I think what I noticed in this game, I think Trossard was predominantly the central player in the Leicester game, but more often than not, it was Martinelli in the central, central areas in this game. And he actually got both goals when in that zone. And even when Nketiah came on for Trossard, it was Inketi who ran that left channel and, and cut it back for Martinelli's goal. So, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Martinelli. Will he eventually become a centre forward? What what do you what do you make of this ch- real change in form for him? Because you know, there's no beating around the bush. He's had some pretty bad form in sort of January and, and February comparatively to what he was doing when Jesus was in the side, but since Trossard's come in, he's, he got that late goal against Villa, sort of built that confidence, got the goal against Leicester, and then two last night. I mean, do you think that that is as simple as that? It just Martinelli and Nketiah don't 
get the best out of each other and he needs another sort of combination forward around him for sure i i think it's it's less about the ability to interlink and, and combine it's more about the rotations i think Ketia rarely really rarely uh gets out to the left hand side or, or, or rotates at all with um mm. with martinelli and actually ironically we, we did see eddie do that a bit when he came on but there was a bit of rotation he he was running those left channels a lot more i think overall Saka and Martinelli haven't been great the last two games. Um, uh, you know, if you look at Saka up until the goal, at Martinelli up until the goal, they weren't amazing. Um, Martinelli and well, Martinelli up until the goal against Leicester, I thought was pretty poor. I thought um, Christensen did a really good job on Saka throughout the ninety minutes at Leicester. So, I think they've been kind of, you know, they're obviously quite tired playing every game. Um, I do think that I saw a really nice way of phrasing it that with Trossard in the side, the left side is for combination and the right side is for isolation. And I think we can afford to do that because Saka is so good. Like how many times does he get the ball either on the touchline or the inside right position and he's completely isolated and somehow manages to do something, whether that's combined with Odegaard or, you know, white overlaps or plays it inside to party who switches out quickly to the left and we've got like an overload and i really like that phrasing and i just think we look a little bit more predictable and a little bit more um we kind of mirror either side with Nketiah in the team and we actually make the left side a little bit more isolated and i don't think that suits Xhaka either Trossard or Martinelli or Zinchenko, whoever's playing on that left-hand side. I don't just think it suits any of the profiles out there. Um, and actually, it, it plays into one of the reasons that I thought Party was so good in the second half compared to Jorginho. I know he was he was sick, but um, that kind of isolated right side that Jorginho was with uh, White, Odegaard and, and, and Saka in didn't really click and didn't really work that well, whereas the left-hand side looked a lot more fluid and dynamic. I think that obviously we all know we're trying to find a stopgap between now and when Jesus comes back. And I think to his credit, like Arteta throughout his time, especially over the last two seasons, has found a way to kind of get the best out of the players he's got available to some extent. I mean, if you think about, this is a bit long-winded, but if you think about last season, Lacazette and uh, Aubameyang starting up front together, um, and then having Odegaard into the team and him flourishing first with Aubameyang and then bringing Lacazette back in when we got rid of Aubameyang and then Ketia coming in uh, towards the end of the season. We've kind of found ways, especially in that front line, to, to kind of change dynamics enough to make us effective. And the positive thing is, I think we all know why we're not as dynamic and free-flowing as we were in the first half of the season because we are missing our best player, right? Make no mistake about that. We just have to find a way to cope without him. And I think that's come in two distinct kind of ways. One with Eddie being on form and, and scoring a lot of goals and, and working centre-backs really hard. And when he's gone off the boil a, a bit, we've brought in Trossard. And ever since he's played that kind of false nine position, we've done really, really well. And I think the good news for us is that this last stop gap is going to be the last one because it looks like Jesus is going to be back and then we'll see that entire front three connect really well, not just one side or the other.
Mm. Yeah, I agree with pretty much all of that. And and I think, you know, talking about our January signings, what it's enabled us to do, Jorginho's had a couple of really good games since we last spoke um, where Partey's been able to come off the bench or even sit on the bench and not come on, I think, in one of them. And that's not something we could have done without making that Jorginho signing. And that could be absolutely critical because if we rush party back early and he's out for a month, if we're rushing Jesus back because there's some hope that he could be around by now and it could be that the club, if we absolutely needed him to, would have pushed everything forward a week and that could have meant he's then out for the really tough games in April. Hmm. But the Trossard signing, because I think I think in Ketia up top has done brilliant in a lot of matches, but I think it was starting to get stale. It was starting to get predictable. And in a world where you don't have Trossard, another player who can sort of play through the middle and play across the front three, I think Arsenal probably do find ways to accelerate Jesus coming back if we if we kept dropping points or scraping through. But there's no need for that rush. I mean, we're a bit lucky with the fixture list with all due respect to Everton and Bournemouth at home, that Arteta probably looked at these games and thought, we've we've got the squad to not need to accelerate as he was coming back. But, you know, the Partey thing with Jorginho, he comes on at half-time. Jorginho apparently wasn't particularly well. I thought he, he struggled in that first half and that was a bit of a worry. Mm. Uh in the in the sort of turnovers he was he was losing those battles and Partey came on you know two new apps it's a different proposition to come into that game but completely controlled it looked back to his very best and it's the ideal sort of recuperation for Partey after having that mm. that worry that they said was a sort of precaution leaving him out for a few games but then he's had what, 10 minutes off the bench against Leicester. There was a bit of concern there because he didn't look brilliant, but I think that was... Yeah. He was playing we're in a different role. We, that he just, but he also just wasn't sprinting, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like when he makes that burst down the right, it looked like a um, a, a granddad. Uh, <laughs> it, looks like a, it looked like a granddad or like one of your oldest players running there, not someone who's yeah. like one of our best athletes. Um, but again, I think... But yeah, I, 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 he, he looked really, really good, didn't he? Um, yeah. When he came on the second half, completely... De- de- like, they just stopped pressing, didn't they, Everton? They were just completely demoralised. He did a really good job on um, Morpai, who's, I think, probably the worst centre-forward <laughs> in the league, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he did a really good job at, at kind of screening the defence and Saliba and Gabriel basically had nothing to do. And... It, when party plays, it allows them to press a lot higher. Like you see, Saliba and Gabriel really stepping into our uh, into the opposition half a lot more. Whereas you have this kind of two-one triangle with um, with Jorginho rather than them a bit more flat when party plays, which is which is great. Mm. Yeah. And I think just just on that, looking forward, and I know we're going to talk about the the two goals in the second half, but like I think it's quite important for the for the rotation that. Um, party came into this game and did well because i think if you think about our next games uh bournemouth obviously every premier league game now is a is an absolute cup final isn't it um and i think arteta is going to play the same team in that game um but potentially with and i think definitely party will come back for that one um potentially Vieira. i mean he looked pretty good off the bench and um i think uh you know 
Arteta seems to be talking about basically him in every single in every single um, press conference. Uh, I think if he doesn't start, he'll come off on uh, come off the bench from like the 60th minute or so. And then Sporting away is one I think he'll ring the changes for, and that would be an ideal time to get Jorginho back into the team mm. um, before we go to play Fulham away, which is a, a really really big game, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit on on sort of Vieira because. Yeah, another sort of observation I'd say that I, I saw the game slightly differently being in the ground. Although it's not, this is an opinion I've had of the last few games, as you know, Pat, because we've talked about it with what I'm going to say is, is Granit Xhaka in that left centre midfield role. And he had a lot of great attacking moments in the first half of the season. I think he benefits, he's another beneficiary of Jesus, who sort of plays in that channel, got lots of goals and assists. They have dried up in the second half of the season and in recent weeks, there's definitely been opportunities where it's felt like a sharper, more comfortable player in the attacking third could do more damage. And I have to say, I I felt that more than ever being there last night. And there were just moments where he'd receive it and if he'd scanned around him, if he'd done his attacking scanning, he could easily turn and potentially play a killer ball through. But you know, he is a bit of a stabiliser for us in that, especially with the Jorginho coming in. Um, I think we we both sort of said there's no way that uh, Arteta drops Xhaka whilst he hasn't got Partey there just because of that physicality, seniority changing too much. But I think it's going to be interesting now, Pat, because Vieira's come on for Xhaka, I think, what, four or five games in a row now? And he's had some good moments. And, and I've got to say, he's he's far from perfect, Vieira. He does some really terrible stuff sometimes. And you think, what's going on? But equally, he has some really magic touches and moments that you could easily see helping us unlock teams and, and be much more useful than Xhaka in attacking zone. So it's going to be interesting on Saturday, I think, because Partey's back now. I think Partey probably starts that game after 45 minutes yesterday. Yeah, he'll definitely start, I think. And Vieira's going to want to be trusted with a bit of a with a few starts in the Premier League. And I think he could probably rightfully say in the last four or five games that he deserves to start at home against Bournemouth. And I think if if it's a game where we can trust to have another player that's a bit more attacking, I think this is probably a game you can do that. Um, do, do you then start him again at Lisbon away, though, is the thing? And does well, that mean you start him instead of Odegaard and play Xhaka in that game? Yeah, that, that's sort okay. of how I see it. I I think it'd be nice for him to have a, a couple of starts in a row. But mm. I think, yeah, if you if Xhaka sits this one out, it means... Because that party's not going to play against Lisbon, almost certain. So yeah. you have Jorginho there. So I think you'd want Xhaka. And I don't think we need to just keep playing Xhaka. And, and that is something we've had to do for years. But we're not <laughs> we're not in that position now. And and I, I genuinely think Vieira is better set for this Bournemouth game. I think, you know, I'd go Partey, Odegaard, Vieira against Bournemouth. And then Jorginho, Xhaka, Vieira against Lisbon away. So, so I think a, a few things, right? One, I don't think it has been an option without party like i don't think you can rock up to leicester away with Jorginho, vieira and odegaard like i just don't think like 
Mikel Arteta values physicality so much, right? And he likes tall, strong players. Like we we all know yeah, that. I completely um, agree. Secondly, I think he'll play Odegaard at Lisbon away. And I think the reason being is our attack just does not look fluid without without Odegaard. Um, he is quite durable, and I think if he's, I think he'll start and he'll play between sixty and seventy minutes. I actually think him and Saka will start. I know people won't like that, but mm. I do. I do think that will happen. But don't you think? Um, don't you think, Pat? You know, given the position we're now in this league, I understand that he'll want to do that. But if you give Vieira this opportunity against Bournemouth and he's terrible, messes it all up, defensively he's poor, we go one nil down after him, then yeah, that makes sense. But what if we give Vieira a start? Sunny day at the Emirates against Bournemouth. He, he gets a goal and assist. He's full of confidence. Then I think he may look at that differently. I think you think I yeah, could have Erdegaard on the bench. Potentially, potentially. I think that, yeah, I, I just have a feeling that when Odegaard doesn't play we suddenly look a lot a lot more toothless in the final third and and maybe I'll be wrong and Vieira will start in that game at Lisbon and he'll be fantastic I, I'm not sure um, and, and we'll win 2-0 the, I don't the, disagree the but the ultimate thing is we he can't play every game no obviously not but you know seemingly a couple of our players do right mm. um the other thing I'll say about the game yesterday, I thought Xhaka was really good defensively in the first half. Like I think he, I, I don't know what it felt like in the stadium, but it felt like he made a lot of second balls his own. He made a lot of really good tackles. He made that really good interception in our own box where it goes out for a corner. I don't know if you remember whether it was Iwobi cutting it back and he just comes back. Um, mm. I think it was Zinchenko who lost the ball. And, and a couple um, of yeah, second yeah. ball sort of moments that were good. Shaka, sure. Shaka came out of nowhere. Um, I think in the first half, in the attacking third, he didn't look too good. What I will say, what I've noticed from Villa, Leicester and this game is that his like running, his runs generally and the kind of lightness of feet seem a, a little bit back. Whereas the few games before that, he has looked like he's kind of got cement on his boots. Um, but again, you know, for the third goal, for Odegaard's goal, he plays like a really, really good pass to Trossard as well. Um so I don't think he was completely impotent in the final third. I do yeah. think that in the first half when it got really, really tight, um, he probably wasn't the player to kind of unlock the defence. But at the same time, in a lot of those tight spaces on the left, when we lost the ball, when they broke, he was he was the first man back to to get the ball. Um, yeah. So I can kind of see both sides. I, I, I personally think he'll, he'll probably start against Bournemouth. Um, but I won't be shocked to see Vieira come on at halftime or 60 minutes or whatever it may be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, he, he definitely has quality. I agree with the, the defensive stuff. Um, and I agree that he has some great attacking moments. He put the ball through for Enketia a couple of weeks ago. 
that won the penalty. I think when when the ball's on his left foot and he's facing the goal and he's got runners, he's as good as anyone in picking out a pass. The moments for me where you see his limitations are because ultimately when you're playing against a team like Everton or most teams that come to the Emirates, that left eight is basically an attacking midfielder, right? Um, because he's spending most of his time in and around the box. And when he receives his ball back to goal, just those sort of moments, one's really sticking with me last night where he really could have turned or, as I say, if he just scanned scanned the area or just had slightly quicker feet. And and I don't think we can expect that from him because he's a 30-year-old who has played as one of the deeper midfielders for his entire career, really. Um, so it's not... It's not really a criticism. It's just more that I I feel in these type of games, we perhaps need to, you know, we've evolved a little bit in the attack. We saw that it was getting difficult to get Eddie in the game when teams were parking the bus against us. So Arteta made some slight adjustments there. That's worked. And I think if there's anything else to tweak in this team against teams that are going to sit back against us, because I think most of our home games are against bottom half teams. And we've got some difficult away games left. So we're going to have this challenge again. And I just think that could be a potential thing. We need to we need to try from the start in one game. And I think it could well be coming, as I say, because it's happened from the bench a lot recently. And previously, Xhaka was sort of 90 minutes every game player, wasn't he? So it's maybe telling us what's coming because that happened with Trossard before he sort of came into the starting 11 in recent weeks. So it's going to be interesting. But yeah, it's it's no attack on Xhaka. I'm, I'm one of his bigger fans compared to a lot of, of fans. But I think just there's definitely an area we could evolve again. And I thought it was interesting that once Vieira came on for him, to be honest, he spent quite a lot of time hugging the touchline like Martinelli does normally. And what that meant is Martinelli pretty much played as a second forward with Nketiah. We were sort of in a 4-4-2. So, and that, you know, it was so obvious he was there that it was a a planned thing. And you just can't see Xhaka sort of doing that comfortably. So, interesting. Interesting one to watch, but... It's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. I think this isn't like El Nenny and Laconga at six. Um, (laughs) So... Whatever the case, I think, you know, if we play Vieira, maybe we'll look more fluid and and, and lock, unlock defences sooner. And maybe we'll be more susceptible to counterattacks. If we play Xhaka, we'll be a lot more solid, um, but then maybe take a little bit longer to to kind of break defences down. I, th- I think there's pros and cons. Um, I, I wanted to, to kind of get your take on the runner games we've got until uh, until the international break, because it does look quite kind doesn't it ollie i mean um bournemouth at home a game that you know would be a catastrophe if arsenal didn't win i know if we're i know we're we're kind of um (laughs) jinxing it now but it's one of the worst defenses in the league i mean i watched the first 15 minutes when they played city and i switched it off straight away where they went 2-0 down because they just looked like they could not defend to save their lives um and then we go to fulham who have been really good this season and they're kind of putting together a, a a cup run as well. But I mean, if you look at some of the underlying stats, they are 
heavily overperforming, especially from a defensive perspective. Um, we've obviously got the Lisbon ties either side of that. Um, hopefully, you know, we can we can have a good outing away and and maybe it puts less pressure on the home leg. And then Palace at home, who, you know, of late have been our bogey team, but this season have not been good at all, um, especially away from home um, to the bigger team. So it looks like a really, really kind set of fixtures between now and the um, international break. Mm. It is. And I think I said three games ago, if we're, if we're, if we do win this title, we've probably got to win the next seven games in the league. It's that simple because we had what well, Everton, uh, Villa, and Leicester away, both sort of mid teams. Then obviously Everton at home, and then the fixtures that you've said. Once you get past that run, <laughs> I think the last one you said there was Leeds at home. We then go Liverpool away, West Ham away, who who look improved. Southampton at home, who are a bit of a bogey team normally away from home. Do um, do West. Do West Ham look improved? I've got a, a a really good friend of mine that I used to live with who's a West Ham fan, and he just says they cannot score at all. Mm. Like they they just can't score at the moment. Well, I, I didn't I know see it's the United a tough game. Place to go. Yeah, I didn't see the United game yesterday, but on the radio they were saying Everton looked a lot better. Um, West Ham looked a lot better. I think they were one no up till quite late or something. But um, and I, I've seen them. What did I watch them against Chelsea? Am, am I right I in thinking? Am I right in thinking? as well that if West Ham go through in the conference league the quarterfinal legs will be either side of our game not sure but I think it, I think it if you be. think it it's probably right I think it would be because they'd be a strange a, thing to think without any <laughs> knowledge well no they've got they've got maybe you dreamt gap it between Fulham and us and then a six day gap between us and uh us and Bournemouth and look like they're probably going to stay up right I, I I think that from what I've heard from from West Ham fans they are just kind of kind of going to keep their heads above water and, and go for the Europa Conference League um, mm. so I'm hoping like last season when we beat them away they're concentrating on Europe a bit what I like about that game is can you remember after we beat them at home and the, and the manager and Rice all came out saying how amazing we were I'm thinking that's quite good that they all think that because, you know, playing football myself, I know when you're about to face a team that you just think are brilliant and play off the park, it's not the best mentality to have before the game. So that may help. But yeah, I mean, in general, after the Leeds game, things do get a lot tougher. I think we'll need a decent cushion for me to be confident before then. But ultimately, I mean, that's why we've just had the sort of Vieira and tweaking discussions because most of those games we're going to come up against low blocks we got three home games against the bottom half sides and then Fulham away I think Fulham we may catch them in a good moment as well I think playing that game earlier mm. in the season would have been harder um, I mean they, it was a hard game at the Emirates wasn't it mm. but they, they haven't looked as good when I've watched them recently and it feels like they may, because well, they're currently, what, fifth or sixth? feels like they mm. probably need to seventh after Liverpool's win. But yeah, I mean, look, no game's easy. Every game we're going to have challenges, different challenges, whether that's a team that frustrate us and manage to get a nil-nil in a game we expected to, to thrash them. Um, 
but it certainly is a period now, you know, look, when you look back at that Villa game, that it felt huge. And mm. I never celebrated a, well, not never, but this season hadn't celebrated a goal as much as as Jorginho's one because at half time I was sort of going through the motions in my head that the se- the the dream was over. Season's over, yeah. yeah and yeah. I was even looking down to see how many points there were to fifth, thinking, imagine if we collapse out of this. Because I think had we had we lost and someone won that game, I think it would have been down to like eight or something. I was just thinking with the trajectory we're on, I'm scared. But Mm. you know that that moment it did change everything because the performances since you know the performance against Leicester and the performance last night we hadn't performed like that even in the Villa game until Mm. after that goal it really gave us that confidence back that's obviously a slight worry as well because what happens if we have another spell which I think you know we're going to lose at least another game I'm, I'm certain of that but we need to be able to manage it and probably bounce back a little bit quicker than we did last hmm. time. Um, but like, it's 60 points after 25 games. How many did we manage in the last five seasons? It was 60-something, wasn't it? I don't 16, know we... Was it 67 last season or 69? I'm just looking now. It was 69. So 69. Three, three, three wins off, um, off our points all from last year, which is just in, incredible, 60... especially if you consider last season we didn't have Euro- Europe either mm-hmm. and we it's not like we've added we added Jesus and Zinchenko in the summer right yeah. um, we re-signed Ketia and we brought Saliba back we obviously got Vieira as well but it's not like we've brought six or seven players to kind of pad the squad out this is largely the same group as last season I know those players made a massive impact but we've we've re- recruited really well recruited really well in January as well and to to be top and sit like within three wins of matching our points all from last season with with Europe as well and, and competing for that European trophy I think it's I think it's fantastic it's an amazing amazing like people have been talking about Eric Ten Hag miracle working United which I find really funny uh considering the spend and the, the wage bill biggest and wage bill on the league reported this by a mile and, and like that's remember that's 21 22 that's before adding 350k a week Casemiro that's before adding 180k a week Anthony that's before adding you know 100 plus k a week Lissandro Martinez mm. um you know they're going to give Rashford a new 300 plus k a week contract aren't after that aren't they because he's probably paid off deal. Paid off Ronaldo, mind. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they paid um, him for half a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, crazy. Well, I mean, like you know, Ronaldo's salary is almost cost- covered by Casemiro. It's not that that far apart. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, look at looking at the fixtures. I do think that what is kind as well is that the games before and after the international break. I don't think you could. I don't think you could find much better fixtures like Palace at home. They look quite toothless. They're also fairly far enough from the drop that by the time we play them, they might be starting to be a little bit on the beach. They don't have Conor Gallagher this season. They won't be able to play Lekonga against us. They don't really have a striker this season, do they? I know Odson Edouard hasn't scored a goal basically for ages. Mateta um, not playing well. Zaha's not 
been been great this season or especially since the world cup and um is struggling with fitness and then leeds are quite a a frantic team they'll be fighting for their lives but again a team that i think their style really suits us um a team that doesn't defend very traditionally that play 100 miles an hour all the time that i think we can kind of pick off um and after that obviously we've got this liverpool and, and west ham away fixtures which i think will be really really hard um and, and New, i think Newcastle those will be quite City away yeah that that scary run. ones I, but I, look let, let, let's enjoy the moment we're in because sure. that's that's so far in the distance ages away isn't it it'll no come around quick though it will but yeah it feels like it feels like the narrative where Arsenal top, but we're not even halfway through the season. And suddenly with 25 games, so we're nearly nearly two-thirds. Um, so if time keeps going that fast and we maybe have a slip up, but then get back into this position, I think we're in five points clear is what we were before the World Cup, um, which obviously was deemed as a big lead at that point, but seemed very early. We're now like 10 games further on or something. So yeah, if we can keep if we can keep this trajectory, it'll be huge. And I mean, just to put it into context, no matter what happens this season, it's gonna be an incredible return from these players. I, I've just gone back 2014-15, we were third with 75 points. You think we we do better than that? 15-16, we were second with 71 to Leicester. 16-17. We somehow came fifth with 75 points. I think that was uh, our t- um, Wenger's second last season. Hmm. Then Wenger's last season, he came sixth with 63. So we've nearly nearly topped that already. 18-19 was Emery's 70 points. That missed out in top four by one. Um, 19-20 was the terrible start for Emery Sachs Arteta came in Arsenal finished eighth on 56 points so already four points more than we managed in 13 more games a few years ago um which shows the start of the journey incredible isn't it yeah and then the following year we went to 61 with Arteta then of course last year was 69 and this year looks like we're going to take a, an even bigger jump. I mean, from here, what point? You're big on the points to win it kind of thing, aren't <laughs> you? What What are you feeling like? For me, I've always looked, if we can win 28 is always what I thought. I don't know if that's still realistic. Um, but that would, how many points would that give us? 28 times three. I use Google is 84 plus our three draws that's 87 plus any other draws we pick up i think 87 would win it yeah i do i think if if you think about going from 60 to 87 that's 27 points added and i think we need to get a total of city dropping plus us getting points equaling yeah. obviously 35. our game against them is is big if you win that you can afford to maybe yeah lose another one yeah, yeah yeah well no i mean if we if we got that points total and we beat city we'd we'd probably definitely win the league i think mm. um i mean i was just going to talk to you about city a little bit 
Have you been paying attention much to them since they beat us? I mean, they slipped up against Forest. I thought they looked a lot better. And then they drew against Leipzig. I thought they looked pretty bad in the second half. And and Pep didn't make any changes. Obviously, a route against Bournemouth and, and Bristol City in the cup since. But one thing I've noticed, um, Ollie, is like we've been chasing them with this game in hand. But actually, now that they've got through in the cup, they're gonna they're gonna pl- they're gonna have to catch up on their Premier League fixtures because they're playing mm. Burnley on the 18th when we'll have a Premier League game. So they play Newcastle this weekend before we play Bournemouth. They then go to Palace away before going and playing uh, Leipzig at home in a game they obviously need to win. They then have this um, quarterfinal against Burnley, which you'd expect them to get through, um, which would see them... Uh, I think, does that would that mean that they play... United or is there another draw? There's another draw, isn't there? Another draw, um, yeah. So, yeah, suddenly we, we get to squeeze in three games before the break and they can only squeeze two in, which could psychologically be quite big because I think it will mean that United will also be two games in hand on us and City will be a, a game in hand on us. And if we can get all those points on the board, we could be eight points clear before the international break, which I think would be psychologically really big mm. with with 10 games to go couldn't it yeah i think psychology plays a huge part in it because i think if we can win this run of what is it four more premier league games um you know maybe the manchester teams drop some points as well as playing less and suddenly even though we've got tough fixes and and probably could well drop enough points for them to come back from it as you say they're in other other competitions and if you're 10 points behind or something like United and you're in a Europa League semi-final same with Man City if you're 8 to 10 points behind and you're in a Champions League semi-final your priorities the players consciousness drifts in other areas Mm. and I think that's our best chance here of you know we maybe if we want to look at the, the fixture list positively that could really play into our hands if they stay in those competitions. And you know, we don't like to see other teams doing well, um, particularly Man United. Even yesterday, when I saw they won, I was a bit like a bit annoyed. But then you you think kind of what you said that it could play into our hands a little bit later in the season. So let's hope that their joy at the moment is uh, just for our ultimate, much bigger joy later in the mm. season. Yeah. Uh, do, do you hold any, before we go, do you hold any hope in, in City lo- like dropping points between now and the break? I mean, Newcastle at home, they, they seem a shadow of their former selves and, and seem like they might drop away. And then Palace away, who we've already talked about being, again, a shadow of their selves, especially against big teams compared to the last season. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about maybe being fortunate with some fixes. I think City are fortunate to play Newcastle at home right now. And who knows where Newcastle will be when we play them, but it feels like they'll probably pick back up by then. So we might be a little bit unlucky with that. But you never know with Newcastle. I mean, they came to us and managed to fully frustrate us. A few teams have gone to City and done that. You know, Everton went there, got a 1-0. Brentford went there, played a similar sort of game. So I never think Newcastle are never going to go in that game and attack it. So maybe even though they're on poor form, you know, there's some slight hope of a nil-nil there potentially. That's the early kickoff mm. on Saturday, isn't it? So, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, mean, listen, you, we can all dream, but imagine going into that Bournemouth game after City have dropped points. It would mm. be so loud, wouldn't it? I can't mm. imagine the atmosphere. I know it's Bournemouth at home and, you know, every Premier League game at, at the Emirates has been big, but I mean, that would be that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think Palace, you know, you're back City to win for sure, but they're always a little bit unpredictable. It's, it's never a massive shock if they manage to to get something if things go their way. Um, but yeah, they don't look, I don't know, in moments they look quite good. Uh, the, in moments against Liverpool, I thought they looked the better team for sure. But then again, that's happened quite a lot in Liverpool games this year. So um, United have Liverpool on Sunday as well, don't they? Liverpool away. So Zaha's apparently back for the, for the Villa game as well. Uh, this weekend that they play Villa, and then so presumably he'll be back for the um, mm. the City game. So you never know. We got to f- keep our fingers and toes. They drew against United, when... didn't they? With a late late uh, free yeah. kick from Elise. Yeah. So can Paddy do us another favour? Mm. Hopefully, who knows? Hopefully, he'll fire them up. Anyway, we we never talked about the other goals, but props to um, Erdogan for scoring again. And uh, we talked quite a lot about Trossard. Really good assist from him. I'd say mm. that, that was the corner of the ground that I was in. And that side in the second half, the left side, absolutely tore Everton apart several times. There were a couple of chances, I think, for Martinelli and Trossard where I didn't. I don't think they got any contact at all, but it felt like if they got anything, they would have scored um, as well. So we really mm. looked good there in the second half. But... Good to chat to you again, Pat. I'm sure we will again after the Bournemouth game at some point. I'm uh, I'm off to Bulgaria. We'll miss the Sporting Lisbon and Fulham games. So we'll have to maybe find JB out of retirement or something. But we should speak to you again after Bournemouth. You have been listening to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. I've been joined by Pat, who is at AFC Pat. Any other shout out from you, Pat? Doing anything interesting? No other shout out. No other shout out right now. Uh, I see. Working on something. Um, I've been your host, PB, at Ollie Price Bates. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.